Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, 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 for those of you who are asking for the visual, with each hey, my hands get progressively higher and I end in jazz hands and scene. I am super excited because we got my girl on today, aside from Mandy, which is my girl, but you know, y'all are used to Mandy. We've got a guest that you guys have loved. Um, She was here two years ago when we first started and she's gracing us today. Welcome Patrice Washington. Hey, thank you for having me back. And I'm doing a little jazz hands over here as well in your honor. Yes. I can can hear it. I can hear the jazz hands in your voice. It's so good to have you back on the show. I know. I can't believe it's been two years already. So congratulations to you guys. We're in our terrible twos. Doing your thing. You're in your terrible twos. You'll get past it. So for those of you, first of all, at this point, if you're listening and you want to know who Patrice is, you have to go back to one of our early episodes when we first talked to Patrice, a.k.a. America's Money Maven. Um, Go listen to that show, then come back because we're about to catch up with Patrice. And I want to hear everything about where have you been these past two years? Where where are you? Where have you been? Where are you going? Where is your business? Are, Are you still on the Steve Harvey show? What's happening? What's happening in the Patrice universe? Oh my gosh. So where have I been? It's been about two years. And it's funny, about two years ago, I was actually in the kitchen with my daughter. I had just come off a book tour and I was in the kitchen with my daughter uh, pretending to cook because y'all know I'm not a real cook, but I was trying to do a little something, something. (laughs) And my daughter was trying to tell me this story, Mandy, and she called me my nanny's name like three Mm. times in a row. And I was like, why does she keep calling me Miss Angela? You know, And here's the deal have any kids or ever seen any kids, met a kid, you ask a little kid a real question, they're going to give you a real answer. Mm -hmm. And I asked her, like, why do you keep calling me Miss Angela? And essentially, she kept it all the way real. Uh, She's like, because I talk to her all the time. And that really hurt. How old was she? Like, she was about six. Okay. No, I'm sorry. No, she was just she was just about to turn seven. And um, it was one of those aha moments where you're like, wait a minute, as much as I enjoy being America's Money Maven and doing my thing on the Steve Harvey show and speaking all over the country and interview after interview, as much as I enjoy all of that, like my number one responsibility is to be this child's mother. You know, I asked to have her. She didn't ask for me. And so it's to be her mother. Um, and it was a reminder that I never wanted to be a public success and a private failure. Mm. And in that moment, 
I started to really strategize and think about how I could take a few steps back. So I know for a lot of people, it doesn't seem like I've disappeared because I've been all over the place, (laughs) still doing a lot, but I've been so much more intentional uh, and strategic about my family time and, and how that really connects to this pursuit of me being America's money maven and living in my purpose and doing all this work I really love. But I was struggling, honestly. I was losing focus um, at that time and thinking that if I just kept going and going and going, which I know a lot of people can relate to, that, you know, we're kind of chasing that next shiny object. But in that moment, I realized that wasn't it. So for the last two years, I've really been pulling back a little bit. And it's funny because, you know, I talk about this all the time and people are like, man, so you worked that hard and, and you just gave up all your money, actually? No, that's not what happened. (laughs) I started to go on the road less, but I leveraged the fewer opportunities that I was taking and I actually made more money. Hallelujah. Since I haven't been doing the same amount of work. Tiffany, this is the, this is what you needed. This is what you were talking about the last episode. Me me and Patrice, we talk on the side. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm trying to hold back the tears and the shaking and the church paint. So, because it is exactly what I have been wanting. Like Mandy and I, you know, we talk candidly on the show with our listeners and, Mm -hmm. you know, I, it's just because you love it, you know, and you can't deny it. Like, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, I'm a new wife. I'm a bonus mom. And I'm making the transition into not always working has been really hard because it's not like I dislike the work. But yeah. at the I, I don't want to look up and, you know, I, you know, I, my husband and, and my bonus baby and, and the baby that I want to have, nobody knows me, you know? Yeah. And yep. so I was struggling with that transition of how do I, um, to pull back. So this, that's why I can't, this conversation we're going to have today of redefining wealth, if I can say that. <laughs> um, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> So what are some yeah. of the things you did, Patrice, to leverage? So you, you're scaling back in some ways, and you said just focusing on the opportunities that really have value for you, I'm assuming financially, mm-hmm. but then also just fulfillment-wise. I mean, what are some exactly. of the yeah, what are some of the steps you really took to, to, to recalibrate how you were approaching your business? Well, one of the first things I had to do was get clarity around who I really was. Like for me, not being on the road so much literally gave me time to not be so obligated to delivering other people's sound bites, you know, because I was getting invited to do a lot of interviews and television and radio. And so you have to speak in these, you know, very concise sound bites, but I was being requested for the same topics, right? Over and over and over again. And so when I had some time to sit back, I was like, this isn't even you anymore. You no, like that doesn't even make you happy. You are not pumped up and super jazzed about talking about budgets anymore or talking about credit reports or talk like that just doesn't make you happy anymore. And so that's that was one of the first ways I started to evaluate what I would do and what I wouldn't was by getting really clear about what did fulfill me, what piece of this whole because there's so much. We all have our part, right? Like we all I met you guys at a personal finance you know, conference at FinCon and stuff. And we all offer our own little secret sauce to this whole, you know, environment of personal finance. And I was like, there will, there are people out there who will cover that. What feels right for you? Like what really speaks to your heart, speaks to your soul, speaks to your journey. 
And once I got really clear on that, it became easier to just cross things off the list because we would talk to people, you know, when people would pitch me on coming to things or being a part of things, we would say, okay, well, Patrice would like to steer the conversation this way. Are you okay with that? And some people would be like, no, we need your one, two, three bullet points on this very Mm -hmm. specific topic. And I'm like, nah, it's okay. Like, I'm not going to leave my kid to go be disgruntled somewhere. Mm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, for what? I could be disgruntled at the PTA meeting. Like, no, I'm okay. You know, I don't I don't have to leave my house to go and do that. I'm not, you know, that's what we work for, Tiffany, right? Like, you mm-hmm. work to build something that gives you freedom, but we turn around and become a slave to it. Yes. Well, child, and- you are a preacher to the choir. Yeah, you know, and I was like, man, I'm a slave to these sound bites. I don't want to live like this. I truly want to talk about what God puts on my heart. And so the first thing was like really getting clarity around what that was, because I knew it was something, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep it real. Like at first I couldn't tell what it was that was just kind of vexing my spirit. You ever just been like, mm, like an uneasiness mm-hmm. and you know that like you got a shift, but you don't know to where or to what or how you just feel something is like not right. So that's what it was. So taking a step back and getting clarity um, was was a really, really big one. And then putting people in place around me on my team to help hold me accountable to that, because that's the other thing. You know, we become a slave to it. And it's like people dangle dollars (laughs) in front of you. Like, I mean, I could I guess I could come back one day, you know, if I make it a quick trip, if I do this, you know, you try to rationalize or as I like to say, ration out lies to yourself. Um, so I would try to rationalize. And so I hired one of my good friends to support me. And I got some really great um, team members in place who helped me set up systems so that I wouldn't even hear about some of the opportunities that were just the, not a fit. Like they would go through the process, take in the form, make the call, talk to people you know, do their research. And then if they determine based on what we talked about being a fit versus a non-fit, if they determined that it wasn't a fit, no one would ever tell me. Okay. And that was the best because it, it, it didn't even bog me down. You know, like I wouldn't even think about things because again, I would try to justify things like, oh, I remember they hired me to do such and such back in 2010. Like I, I would be doing all these little justifications. And once the team got in place and we put systems and kind of rules in place, man, that freed up so much. It was awesome. And then I wasn't everywhere so I could leverage that and charge, charge more essentially. Yeah, both of you guys have like, I mean, a big part of your business is speaking engagements, right? I mean, that's a lucrative part of your business. I don't know what portion of it is. I'm not really asking, but I I, I feel like that is how can you turn down those big juicy opportunities? I mean, I and part of like the entrepreneurial reality is like, you know, you have an opportunity in front of you and that idea of that scarcity mindset, like, oh my, if I turn this down, will there be another one? Will there be another one? Um, mm-hmm. How, how you have you dealt with totally. that? I totally can identify with that. I went through the fear, you know, I went through FOMO, fear of missing out. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, what's going to happen? Look at all the people that are going to be there. Maybe I should be there. Maybe I should be networking. Um, but one of the things when I knew about different things we were turning down, I've been really intentional about taking those same days or weekends and, and deliberately spending time with my family. Or doing something that really made me feel like, oh, you know what? I didn't miss anything because this is where it was at. 
Like this, putting makeup on with my daughter, letting her tell me, I want mommy, I want you to beat my face. Oh, no. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and we had a little music makeup and mimosas with apple cider, of course. Um, <laughs> but us having that moment and, and just spending that type of time, honestly, it fulfilled me in such a way. Like, it makes me so happy that it also provided, like, the peace of mind and clarity to go create what did fit. You know, so a lot of things have happened over these last couple of years. Like this past year, I launched a whole new website at patricewashington.com. And I really put time into thinking about what are the things that have truly helped me rebuild. So when you guys go back and listen to my first episode, I'm sure you'll hear my story about going from, you know, a seven figure business I built out of college to losing it all in the recession, scraping up change, living on my brother's couch in 2009 to rebuilding everything and becoming America's money maven. And one of the things I got clear on during that time is that I really felt like I was starting to do people a disservice by not telling them my full story. You know, it's like, how do you end up, how do you go from your brother's couch to now you're sitting on this couch across from Steve Harvey on his talk show every month? Like, mm-hmm. like little something happened in between. You yes. think like maybe, maybe there's some things that we could talk about. And because I only ever had time to talk in sound bites. Right. Like I never could really get into it the way that I wanted to. And so over the last like year and a half, it was really like just heavy on me. Like you need to create something so you can tell your own story so that you can share the things that you've done that have helped you. Like at at what other place would I be able to talk about, you know, music, makeup and mimosas with my daughter Mm. slash apple cider? Um, with my daughter. Like, where else could I really talk about that? Not on the Steve Harvey show. I mean, shout out to Steve. I love him, but not there. They don't want to hear that. I'm the money maven. So I got to only talk about money and that's it. But I really believe and have believed for a long time, as I'm sure I said in that interview before, that building wealth has 100% nothing to do with money. It has 100% everything to do with us and our mindsets towards money. And I believe that your mindset really dictates what your habits are. And there were some really, you know, deliberate and specific habits that I've developed over the last several years, but I wasn't comfortable getting out of that box at first. Like I said, that fear of like, oh, this is what they brought me here to do. I wasn't comfortable getting out of the box. And so like the last year and a half, I've been like, F it, I'm out the box. Like mm-hmm. I gotta get out the box, <laughs> like by any means necessary. And, and that's where like my whole tagline, chase purpose, not money. I don't only say that to encourage other people. That's a reminder to myself. Like every day that I got to do things that fit who I am now, not who the money maven was in 2010. No, I love that. So what would you say? Because I know you have your podcast and the, uh, it's, is it called Redefining Wealth? Yeah, it's called the Redefining Wealth Podcast. Yep. So if if you were to define wealth personally for yourself, so, you know, many people would be like, wealth is having, you know, a million dollars in the bank or whatever. What is your personal definition of wealth for you? My personal definition of wealth is the freedom to do what I want, when I want, with people I want to do it with. Mm. It's literally just freedom. And that was the thing, Tiff, like I looked up long ago, but it's funny, like, I looked it up a long time ago. I would say maybe like 2008 or nine. Um, This is around the time that I had lost everything. And I looked up for some reason, I was probably blogging or writing an article, but the definition of wealth. 
And so when you look at it, the first few definitions are all about material possessions and money and assets. And it's all the stuff that we think of. And if if you're a millennial who's connected on social media, you think wealth is yachts and, tr- and like luxury travel and cars or shoes or whatever you think it is. But when you dig really deep, the if you look at most online dictionaries for sure, you'll see like seventh, eighth definition all the way down. It says on a lot of them, the 12th century definition of wealth means well-being. Mm. Like the, the true, like W-E-A-L, well, is well-being. And TH, the condition. So uh, back in the day, way back in the day, people considered wealth more like happiness. And it's so funny how we have totally gone, you know, to the extreme on the other side of wealth is just stuff. But I think we all know for ourselves or know people who will tell us for sure that stuff doesn't make you happy. Yeah. So those are not though, like those are not mutually exclusive. You know, like that does not have to work hand in hand. And when I really thought about during this this kind of mini sabbatical I've had, when I really thought about it and thought about my life from 2007, when the recession began for me and I started to kind of spiral down by 2009, I was on that couch. And when I thought about that, the things that I was doing every day, um, it really had to do with like all these other areas of my life. Yes, I was focused on my finances, but there's only so much you can do every day on your finances. Like there's 24 hours in a day. Like you can't sit and look at your budget all day or you can't like run your credit over and over again or sit and watch your stocks or whatever. Like all day, there's other habits that you got to have in place. And I just picked up some through research, some through coaching, some through mentorship and some that just happened intuitively um, because, you know, like I said, I was pretty successful before all the, the recession and all that. I just started looking at the different areas of my life that I really felt like had contributed to my wealth, contributed to me being where I am today. And money was definitely one. My work was one. But there were other areas that I feel like just as much contributed. And that's what I wanted to share with other people. Like maybe if you feel like You've been stuck and you've been trying to do all the right things with your money and you're still not getting ahead. Maybe you got to consider looking at some other areas of your life to help you get unstuck and get you closer to what you say you want. Mm. What do you think it is that holds people back? Like we get, you know, we get questions about that. I actually just listened to a whole podcast about the idea of being stuck. Like someone who's mm-hmm. stuck and maybe doesn't have the resources or doesn't think they have the resources to get out of a certain situation or to leave the job they're unhappy with. I mean, what would you say to the people in, in those situations who aren't starting from a place where they are their own boss, you know, like some entrepreneurs mm-hmm. are? Well, one of the things that helped me get unstuck during that period in particular, um, when I did lose everything, because, you know, I, like, like I said, I went from a seven figure business to scraping up change, you know? So that comes with all of the fear of, you know, people finding out the guilt, the embarrassment, the shame, the, how did I do this? Like, what is wrong with me? And so for a period there, it was a short period, but it was a period nonetheless, where I just felt like a failure. And it was like, you've lost it. And I mean, I was like 26 years old and it felt like your life is over. You're done. Like you're a wrap, you know? And in, in redefining wealth, one of the first pillars is called fit. And fit is about becoming your best self. 
And so a lot of people tend to furrow their brows sometimes when they hear me talk about fit because they think I'm automatically talking about physical fitness, which is one component. But the other thing I had to get really clear on was my mental fitness. And when you have been through different things or failures or setbacks and you have been so beat up by life, you know, your mind can go to some dark places. Not sure if anyone's ever been there, you know, Mm -hmm. you guys, but your mind can go to some dark places. And one of the things that I really needed to work through was just giving myself permission um, mentally, first and foremost, to, to accept that I was in a bad spot. Like I had lost all my money, but my mind was not bad. You know, like, mm-hmm. like this was literally an event. This is not you. And to get unstuck, some things that I did do was use like uh, community resources for therapy when I lived in Atlanta because I needed to talk to somebody like mm-hmm. my family wasn't getting it. I'm not going I'm not going to lie. And I and I'm a, a big believer and a spiritual person and stuff. But folks telling me to pray about it wasn't helping either. Like it just wasn't getting me over the hump. I would pray about it, feel like, OK, I left it on the altar or whatever. And then like <laughs> a couple hours later, I'd be like. You know, like what happened to my life? How did I get here? Especially when I was coming home, the notices on the door mm-hmm. and all kind of stuff. Like, so going to therapy really helped me separate who I was um, from what had happened. Okay. And not make those all one thing. And once I was able to take like a step back or even like a bird's eye view and kind of hover over, this is the situation that's going on. Like, look down on that and try to, you know, move the pieces around best you can. But when you're in it, you can't see it. Like, when I was in it, I had done everything that I could do. So I I really felt like I had no other alternatives. Like, I was exhausted and just sick and tired of being sick and tired at, at that time. And so one of the things I always share with people is if you really feel stuck, um, faith is one way uh, to kind of help you move on or get out of that. But becoming mentally fit and, and, and talking to someone, talking to a professional. Like I tell people, what if your success is on the other side of you, like sitting on somebody's couch and just saying like, you know what? I don't know what I don't know, but I know this isn't right and I need something. And so therapy was a big, big help for me. Still is to this day. So I, I met with my accountant today. I was finally paying my quarter three taxes. I'm all late, but whatever, they're paid. Um, and I was asking him because sometimes, you know, there's so many numbers, numbers, numbers. And I said, okay, so, you know, how much did I make for the year? And he was sharing and I was like, okay, how come I'm not? And I told him, I was like, how come? And I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm frugal by nature just because I just, I guess I grew up frugal, but I was like, dang, you know, this is like what, you know, I'm sure, you know, doctors make, right? Like a, like a all paid doctor. And he was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, if, if not more, I said, well, how come I'm not living in one of those big houses? I mean, I did just buy a house, but those big houses on the hill. And he was like, can I let you in on a little secret? Because he does a <laughs> lot of taxes. He was like, many of those doctors that live on the hill are broke. Yeah, they can't afford it. Yeah, so why do you think we do that? So what are the what pillar kind of addresses that, that of your redefining wealth? Why is it that someone who's making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year puts themselves in a position that to not be able to really afford um, their life. Why do we do that? You know what? It's funny you ask which pillar um, because it's really all of them. Like my big thing with redefining wealth, 
a part of my big thing. One is living your life's purpose, but the other is finding fulfillment. And a lot of people make those decisions because they're trying to fill a void, right? So if you um, are trying to fill the void of maybe some relationships that didn't work out, but it could be with parents, or family, friends, whatever, and you're on this constant chase to prove yourself, then you make those types of decisions. You don't know that that's why you're doing it. You're not aware of it until you go go back and maybe do some work and look at that first pillar with the mental fitness piece. But a lot of people just, they aren't even aware that they're do- doing it. Like, that's why I talked about rationalizing and rationing out lies. Like, we tell ourselves so many lies and we don't consider them to be lies, but we create these stories in our mind and then we justify them. And we can justify them till the cows come home. But at the end of the day, like right is right, as my granny used to say, and wrong is wrong. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And if your accountant tells you it's wrong, it's probably definitely wrong. <laughs> but all of these areas for me, these pillars, like I really believe when people are, just because you're a doctor, that doesn't mean you love it. Mm. Just because you're a lawyer, that doesn't mean you love it. As a matter of fact, most of my friends who are lawyers kind of hate it in some form or fashion. <laughs> They're always complaining about it, even though they make great money. And so the work piece, which is about living out your life's purpose, um, I speak to the fact that there are a lot of us who made career choices in particular because we were advised to. Because I know, Tiff, you're Nigerian, I'm Belizean, you know, they can be very persuasive parents who try <laughs> you know, you got about three or four options yes. <laughs> to work from. You know, I didn't go down that path. So my dad was very disappointed that I wasn't an attorney, a doctor, a pharmacist or whatever. Yes. That's a, those um, are the three right there. That's it. <laughs> those are the big three. Uh, you know, so when you are not, I really believe that when people are not living in their purpose, it is really easy for them to not be able to set priorities. Because you're trying to fill the void. So if what you're doing day in and day out um, does not really just fill you with joy, you know, and just truly make you feel like, man, this is what I'm here for. This is what I was called to do. Then you do stuff like, well, at least I got to have a house that I love that shows that like I made it, (laughs) you know, or at least I have to drive nice or at least I have to wear the best clothes. So we start to rationalize and it happens every day. And and many of us do it in different ways. Just some of us do it to our own detriment. I think everyone has a little something in them, but some of us just go way too far. But I don't believe you can recondition what you haven't recognized. And that's where we have to start is by doing the work to recognize what are those things that kind of set us off. I feel Mm -hmm. like it's almost the curse of the word supposed, like I'm supposed to fill in the blank. I'm supposed to have a house. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to have a kid. I'm supposed to have the car. I'm supposed to, but sometimes I want to shake people and be like, who told you you're supposed to? And I think part of it is like you internalize, I think you, you grow up like you don't realize it until you're older, but you maybe internalize the ambitions of your parents or like what they think is, is right. Um, and of course, social media, you can, you can obviously see, you can just see everyone living their life and immediately compare yourself to it. And it, it'll feel like you're supposed to be doing, you know, yes. dot, dot, dot. And I, and I, mm-hmm. I find myself now in my thirties really pushing against that, the notions that that seem like I'm supposed to be doing this and wondering like, why am I supposed to, why am I supposed to be buying a house right now? Right. Just because yeah. I have money. I, I had a talk with some girlfriends just this past weekend and we were doing the cousin of supposed to, it was the shoulds. Mm-hmm. You the shoulds. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, we were all like, you know what? Every time 
and that, especially with taking on events or going to speaking engagements or those types of things, I said, every time I get asked to do something and it's not like a hell yeah, if it's it, remotely a, well, I guess I should, I stop myself. Mm. Like, and that has been a very conscious choice, but I realized that I was very into, I mean, I guess I should do it because, and then searching for the dot, 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 like, oh, it might be great networking. Oh, so-and-so is going to be there. Oh, well, maybe I can. And, and, and don't you know, like most of the time that stuff never pans out. Like very rarely. It's like really the things that I go to where I have no expectation is where all like the juicy, great stuff happens. Like the person I meet in the bathroom, you know, sitting on the random couch <laughs> in the ladies room or the person I you meet in the hallway nice that I didn't think about. <laughs> <laughs> the person I meet about and like I meet in the hallway or it's some random occurrence that I that I really couldn't have planned for anyway. But the shoulds are not always what even pans out to be anything worthy, you know? And I'm like, yeah. every time I say I should, if that even comes up, then I have to examine that before I move forward. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm just like, ah, it's scary, though, to... And, I, and I've been through so many transitions where, and typically, as soon as you transition, you drop. Right. And that drop <laughs> is what people are afraid of. So, you know, when I transitioned from I don't want to do one on ones anymore, all of a sudden I I took a, a, a drop in income for the first few months. And I was like, ah, why did I do this? And then mm-hmm. rebounded when I was like, you know what? I like doing these in-person classes. And then when I said I don't want to do in-person classes anymore, the drop happened. And I know that I'm ready to transition. And even though I'm like, Tiffany, you're going to be fine. It, it is scary to say, but. But that drop, am I gonna be okay? Am I gonna is this the time that I'm not gonna recover from that drop? I think that's what people are afraid of most. Like I know that I wanna take a step uh back and I don't even know what that looks like in some ways. Some in so many ways I have and and then I filled it with other things. So I'm like, ooh, you know what I wanna do? These new things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm so busy today. Honestly though, I had a terrible day. And I was like, and normally, like, I'm really upbeat, upbeat and happy-go-lucky, and I don't notice how much I have going on. But when you have a terrible day, you start to realize. And I was like, ooh, throw everything away. Everybody. <laughs> I nobody. I'm going back to teaching preschool. Where are the babies? I felt like that not too long ago. I posted that in one of the groups that we're in. I was like, have you ever just been like, forget it. I'm going to start from scratch. I want a whole new name. <laughs> I might need a, a, a husband. A different husband who could give me a different last name. I'm throwing everything out. (laughs) Like, I think that that is such a natural part of entrepreneurship. (laughs) Like, if you don't want to stop everything that you're doing at least once or twice a year, I don't know. Like, I don't know what you're doing. Because that's, I think that you have, first of all, you have to have that level of crazy, I think. But that's the thing that makes you just, like, also keep pushing in an odd way. Because, like, I'll have a day like that. And then the next day I'm like, oh, uh uh-uh, devil. You know, I feel like this comeback, (laughs) like this resurgence of power, like absolutely not. That will not happen to me today. And then I get like 97 things done in one day that totally made up for the three that I fumbled on the day before. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know, but I, I totally get you. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. 
They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And what are some ways, let's talk about the business. I like to talk about the money, the money, honey. But like with your businesses, (laughs) I mean, you're both in in sort of uh, similar businesses, I guess. But what are, can you talk about like real talk about the different income streams that you have from your business and how you sort of diversify that? I know that's a big component of like being an entrepreneur today is not just having one, like all your income coming from one source the same way you don't Mm want to like put all of your money in one savings account forever. You want to diversify. Yeah. So there's a couple different things, although I'm like, I'm in transition mode, right? So I used to have all these products and smaller programs and I would um, offer them to churches and nonprofits and they would really pay me. So a lot of what I do, I don't necessarily charge like an individual. Um, I've always been kind of more inclined to really just, I mean, similar to Tiffany, I would say like nurture Nurture people, nurture the audience, but then charge the brands, right? Mm -hmm. Or charge whoever that would bring me out. Um, So speaking is a big component of my income. Also being a spokesperson or a brand ambassador um, over the last few years has become a great portion of income. And I actually look forward to doing those because I can work with fewer brands that I really like, but I just charge them more. (laughs) <laughs> and um, so I don't have to do a million smaller things, which goes back to the whole the family piece I was talking about in the beginning. Um, and then some of those partners, they pay for my radio segment. Um, I still am on the Steve Harvey morning show. I still have a weekly segment, about two to three million listeners, um, 54 cities. And I've been on there now every week for about three and a half years. Wow. So there's some back-end stuff that I get through my partnership with iHeartRadio, which is actually who helped me launch the podcast. Um, they really wanted to deepen the con- help me deepen the conversation, but also use that as a tool um, to promote to their sponsors. And the a thing I, I think I'm getting most excited about, I haven't done it in a long time, though, is like group coaching. Like, I, like, you know, like you said, Tiffany, you go in and out. So I'm in that dip right now because I totally shut off my one-on-one coaching because it just didn't fit anymore. Like, I was like, I mean, I could, I should, but I don't want to. Like, I really want to walk women, especially high-achieving women, through what these pillars really mean, you know, for redefining wealth, like the areas that we can really work in on our lives, especially if we know that we have a full life, but something deep down inside is still unfulfilled. Because I think if there is that unfulfillment, eventually it's going to lead to financial mismanagement in some form or fashion. So I feel like my path to helping people get to their wealth is making sure that there's well-being in all the other areas of their lives. And then we can talk about how to manage you know, the money that you do have wisely. But I feel like if we don't address some of these other 
for you is you'll always be a hot mess. So Yeah. Don't you feel like sometimes so, people focus on like the bottom line? Like they're like, okay, as soon as I finish law school, then I'll have a social life. As soon as, as soon as I get that promotion, then I'll focus mm-hmm. on, you know, that, that mole that I have on my left shoulders, <laughs> you know, maybe not yeah, that serious. I do. That is no way to live. That is no way to live. And, and that's what, like, I did this group coaching um, with Steve Harvey's group, Act Like a Success. That's kind of where I piloted this. And the results have been so phenomenal, so moving. But one of the things that hit me recently was one of the participants sent me a message and said, you know, in the fit, in the fit pillar, the first pillar, I basically shared with the ladies, I said, you know what, if you have a vision for your life, you have a duty and a responsibility to protect the vessel that's needed to execute the vision. Mm. Like we cannot go and go and go and hustle and grind and then neglect the only body we have, right? Like you only get one. Like you can't neglect this body, put garbage in it and expect to get like great results out. Like you can't. And one of the things that I said is in the next seven days for any of you who are um, ignoring any slight pain, any discomfort, anything that you've questioned, like, and it's been going on for weeks or months or years, and you've been putting it off, I want you to figure out who the specialist, who the doctor is you need to go to and make an appointment within the next seven days, right? I think about 60 or 70% of the people actually did it. And one woman ended up sending me a message and uh, sharing that she found a lump on her breast, um, and that they, they were catching it just in time. Wow. And that, that was like, I'm sitting here reading this freaking direct message and I'm like, wow. Like, so what good would it be for you to be? And she had a great job, all this stuff, but what good is it for you to make 150, $200,000 a year? And you ain't even here. And, and, and the next day you're not here because you haven't taken care of yourself. Like, what good is that? You know, I always think of, like, Steve Jobs, like, this man mm-hmm. who shifted, like, no one's life is the same. And he's right. not here. No right. matter how much money that this billionaire man had, he is not here. And I always think that, that, like, you can't wealth your way to health, necessarily. Mm. You know, of course, there are some things, like, you know, there's medicine and doctors, but ultimately, if you don't take the time to take care of yourself, and not to say that I'm not here to judge whether he did or did it, but it just, just goes to show that there's just, there's no substitute for for yeah. health, no amount of money that can can guarantee, yeah. you know, your, your life here. Wow. That's yeah. just really And that's why I say that pillar is not about being skinny. <laughs> so when people see fit, you know, they're like, oh, you want me to just go to the gym? You're talking about being skinny. That's easy for you. First of all, I have been thin relatively my entire life. I've also had high blood pressure. I've also had issues with like um, acidic acid in my stomach and like a a gap in my esophagus that was causing all kind of issues and all kind of stuff. Like being thin doesn't matter. That doesn't make you healthy. And and at the end of the day, even if I say that what I'm doing is to leave a legacy for my daughter, wouldn't it be nicer for me to just live a little longer so I could also be here for her. (laughs) I'm not working to make money to just make sure she goes to school debt free. Like I'd like to be at the graduation. That'd be nice. And so that, those are some of the things over these several years where I started to take more control of my health. I stopped with all that. Oh, I'm young girl. Bye. I mean, I'm, I'm young. I ain't old, old, but I'm not 20. (laughs) (laughs) Don't it get really good 30 though. I was just talking about that. 
I said, I don't remember all of this in my 20s. She said, child, child is really your 30s. <laughs> Listen, I was, I was boxing yesterday and I still feel it in my lower back. All this little turn your body quick and all this. I'm like, sir, you're 20 something little coach. Like, hold on now. But, but yeah, it's not just about that. It's like an overall overarching thing. Now, real quick, you, you're married, right? I am 10 years in December. Congratulations. Ciao. A decade. All of it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm trying to make it six months. Yeah, Mandy and I. (laughs) I know. Congrats to both of you. I know I liked your little pictures and stuff on Facebook. I was lurking and so happy for both of you welcome to the fold (laughs) well you are a veteran but I was going to ask if you wanted to talk about how you and your husband you know is he part of this of the strategy you know that not strategy but you know when you took a step back from your whatever you were doing in your Mm -hmm. business and wanted to transition I mean how do you guys talk to each other about that and where is he incorporated and supporting and vice versa oh yeah so the second pillar actually for redefining wealth is people And people is all about creating relationships that matter. And one of the things after my daughter got me all the way together uh, in the kitchen that that one day, that one (laughs) Sunday, I talked to my husband about it. And he was like, I mean, well, yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah. You know, I first told him, like, can you believe? And he was like, yeah, totally. Yeah, totally believe it. (laughs) You know, when you were looking for a little camaraderie and thought Mm -hmm. someone would have your back and he gave me none of that because he's a real friend. Um, so my husband and I ended up having a great conversation too. And that really began the beginning of us like really being more intentional about not having our phone out during dinner. And when someone's talking to you, you look up from the phone, (laughs) like you don't keep looking at the phone. Like, I hear you, I hear you go ahead. Meanwhile, you're like laser focused on your text message or your email or whatever, Um, We had to work through some things that we could do, one, to to really, I think, rebuild and continue to build intimacy in our marriage, but also to be a better example for our daughter. Um, And one of the greatest things that you can give your spouse is just your time and attention. And it's really easy. You know, when I was sleeping on the couch, my husband was too. You know, he took a job at Taco Bell and was working at Taco Bell, having people throw open face tacos through the drive-thru in his face. Like he went through it during that time. And so while I've been building this brand, he's been rebuilding himself. And now he again has a seven figure business as well. And one of the things that we attribute that to is not just, you know, getting clear about what we wanted to do and chasing our, our passions and all that stuff. It's also the support that we've given each other. Um, and the time, time and attention we put in. Like we're very deliberate about date night. There was a time around the same time that my daughter got with me, um, (laughs) real tough in the kitchen. You know, we were doing deliberate date nights every week for years, even when we were broke. When we were in New Orleans broke and we had like a raggedy pickup truck, we would go to a beignet shop, Hmm. um, a Cafe Du Monde near us uh, in New Orleans and, you know, pay like $3.00. Oh, get us some. Oh, I'm just thinking about it right now. Get us some beignets. <laughs> I heard it. Beignets. Did you hear it? I, I heard it. Oh, hold on. Let me get myself together. Yeah, we get like hot chocolate and share it. And we would put the back down on that pickup truck. 
and just sit back there. We're talking like a $5 date. And we would just sit in the back of the pickup truck and eat beignets and share one hot chocolate. And the more money we made and the more um, stuff that we had over the years, we did start like, you know, um, not doing those things regularly. Like we would have date night, but we would allow it to get pushed to the side of something else come up. It would, and it was, it was not like anyone was bitter in the moment. It was like, oh, you got to do that. Okay, well, cool. I guess I'll just work on this. Like we'll find another day, but then weeks turn into months and you haven't had your consistent date night. And so since 2015, we've been really, really deliberate. We have a date night pretty much every Tuesday or Wednesday night. We learned very quickly that Friday and Saturdays, young people want to go out and do their thing. You cannot depend on them (laughs) to babysit. So you have to pull your fun into the middle of the week. So (laughs) so like Tuesdays and Wednesdays, we're really deliberate about date night. And, you know, my husband works in entertainment now and he works on a, on a show and the show was actually taping. um, The new talk, the new schedule came out and the show was taping on Tuesday nights, which would normally be our date night. And the thing that really got me, you guys, this is a, in August of this year, As soon as he got the tape schedule, he literally forwarded it to me. And then he called me and said, did you look at the email? And I said, no. And he's like, can you open it? So I open it. And maybe he had that email in his inbox for 15 minutes. And he immediately thought this conflicts with date night. So he renegotiated a new night, like right there on the spot. And I was like, dang, four or five years ago? No, wouldn't have happened. He'd have been like, hey. So, uh, and we would have just like let it go, but so deliberate. We've been using that to test out different restaurants and areas that we wouldn't normally go to. So we take turns finding things on Yelp or hear things that we've heard about. And we'll just go to a completely different area, have a nice dinner. Sometimes we go like to work out together. That's the other thing. We work out together three days a week at six o'clock in the morning. We go to boxing together. Um, that's relatively new. That's been like since early summer. So we've been doing that about five or six months, but we're just constantly finding things for us to do together. And that has been again, so fulfilling because when there is something that we have to do, like he is actually on a flight right now to New York, um, to take something. And so we're not having date night, um, tonight, but not this weekend, but the previous weekend, he took me on a little vacation to Newport Beach, three three days. We hung out. We spent a lot of time together. We went to the spa. and It was just beautiful. But he makes sure, we both make sure that we deposit okay. so that nobody feels depleted, you know, when there are those times when work has to make a withdrawal. And same thing for my daughter. Like, I've been so much more intentional about this time that I spend with her that when I do have to go speak or when I am going to work, if it's something that she can't come to, she's like, go get him, girlfriend. Like, this is truly <laughs> like my little friend. Um, or when, when I come back, she's like, you sold all your books. You, you sold all your books. <laughs> Did you come up with anything? She's also slash manager in yes! this relationship. But, but they're so proud. And so by being more deliberate and intentional with them, it allows me to stand up and be great when I'm out. Like I feel my most confident and bold self when I'm on stage, when I'm on TV, when I'm doing my stuff, because I know I got people that love me no matter what. 
So even if I fall right here, I'm still going home to a house full of love. So if you don't like me, that's fine. I can accept it. But I know that before I came, I was being nurtured and encouraged. And when I leave here, I'll be nurtured and encouraged. And for me, that matters so much more. Um, I, I definitely love the feedback from my audience or from producers or from whoever, but nothing beats what my family thinks about me. No? I love that. I think that that truly to me is, is redefining wealth. And, and I think that, right, Mandy, that that's like such good feedback. I mean, well, cause I, I want to figure out like what, what can we do more of? Because I, I do get the, the reason why people always ask like, um, you know, how, how am I able or why have I grown so quickly? And it's not that I've grown quickly, but I saw the huge boost when um, I got with my husband because wow. I didn't like, because in, in meanwhile, he's just a regular schmegular, you know, nine to five, just mm-hmm. a regular guy. And I remember he would always ask like, oh, you know, are you sure you don't want one of those like, you know, whatever guys? I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> I don't know what guys you, you mean, but you know that, but it's because there's such a solid foundation because mm. I am always someone's foundation, right? I am mm-hmm. big mama in my family. Like, like you know, like everybody. You're Wanda. Me. Yeah. <laughs> so I carry a lot and there was, I've never been with someone who there is that I could actually lean on confidently, except for my father. So mm-hmm. he set a good example of this is what it looks like to lean on someone financially, um, spiritually, just, you know, and so every guy that I, I dated, I became my father to them, which is straight mm. right. Like, was like, I was the, I got you lean on me. You know, and I didn't realize that, that I was turning every man into my child. Mm. I met my husband and he was like, I don't know who you think you're raising, but fully grown. Come on, Superman. (laughs) You can actually lean on me. And I remember I was like, well, you know, I make a little bit more. So, you know, I can handle these bills. He was like, and they were paid before you got here. So I need you to take a seat and I will handle the bills. It was, it still blows my mind to this day where I'm like, wow, you know, and so I can totally understand and I'm wanting to lean more into because we don't have a regular date night. I mean, like we, we hang out when it's like, Oh, but making that strategic time, I think that that is an amazing idea. I actually, I feel like we I look hang out- forward to it. Yeah. It's something for you to look forward to. And I'll tell you what, because it's not all peaches and roses and rainbows every day. You know, some days you'll be looking at these jokers, like, you know what? Ah, uh, listen, <laughs> like, uh, I'm really, you really trying my patience today. But the funny thing is we get it together for date night. Like, <laughs> like a couple weeks ago, I was not feeling him on a Wednesday morning. I'm not even going to lie. I don't even remember what happened. You know, it could be anything. It doesn't even have to be major, but you're like, really? Like, you're just going to keep smacking like that or whatever. It was something where I like gave Ooh, him a look. Smacking was like, what was that for? <laughs> yeah, smacking, not cool. But it was like, it, it, I did something and he was like, would you look at me like that for? And I was like, I can look how I want to look. You know, I popped in, I popped a little attitude. <laughs> I don't even know what happened. The funny thing is, we still to this day don't know what really happened or how it started. But it was just one of those moments. But let me tell you, before he left that morning to go to work and I realized it was date night and I... I wanted to go to that restaurant. I was like, uh-uh, man, pull yourself together. <laughs> go apologize so you can have a good date night. Like, it really keeps us in check, too, because we look forward to it. So I was like, if I did something to offend you, I 
apologize. <laughs> He's like, oh, you didn't even want to apologize, but thank you for trying. <laughs> yeah, but we've been together 14 years. So these are 14, almost 15 years of shenanigans married um, for 10. And it hasn't been easy, but it has been um, beautiful because it's an opportunity. Like you were talking about, Tiffany, like to have someone that you can lean on um, that just lets you be you. Yeah. You know, too. Yeah. And he lets me be all of me. Um, you know, I have my my Patrice Washington and then there's Patrice Cunningham. Mm-hmm. And Patrice Cunningham is from the hood. <laughs> and um, she turns up every once in a while. <laughs> and he likes both of them. Like whoever pops out, he's like, I got it. I'm with you. Like whatever, you know, he lets me be all of me. And I dated people in the past where it would be like, could you not? Or their mom is like, your dress is a little tight. And y'all know how I feel about my tight dresses. This is, <laughs> this is not new. This has been going on for decades. So I was like, um, so your mom's dressing me now, you know, but my husband has always let me be me. And he's always protected me, even from family members who thought that they could have a say in our relationship too, or in our marriage or how we parent or whatever. He, he, he covers that. So yeah. Wow. I still been, like them. I feel like this has been awesome. Right, Mandy? Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. And definitely, I mean, this is a great teaser for your show. I feel like Redefining Wealth on yes. uh, iTunes. I'm, I'm assuming everywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can find Redefining Wealth. Yep. Yep. And if you have a hard time, go to patricewashington.com. But thank you guys so much. I, I always enjoy chatting with you. I love that it's not, you know, you know, some places you go and it's kind of stale, sterile. Yes. You kind of like just like what are your four get tips it? for getting out of a uh, getting out of bed? You're like, Shh. you're like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> how could it be stale when you're here? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what are the things that someone can Google that you can share right now? <laughs> yeah. Essentially, yeah. that's exactly it, Tiffany. That's a good one. What are the things that people can Google that they've already Googled that they've already heard 19 times? Yeah. yeah so thank you guys for also letting me be me and allowing me to come back on and share about redefining wealth. Um, I don't know what the next few years hold, but I am super excited to be in this space right now and doing everything that I'm doing. It feels like exactly where I'm supposed to be and exactly what I was called to do. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets, on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.